Warning, this podcast contains details of crimes that may not be suitable for everyone. Trigger warnings from this story may contain murder, violence, sexual assault, and abuse. Listener discretion is advised. In 1996, James Peterson Smith abused his 17-year-old girlfriend, Kelly Ann Bates, for more than a month before he ended alive. This is the story of Kelly Ann Bates. This is Crime Archives, and I'm your host, Abby. This is one of the most disturbing stories I've ever heard and it's certainly not for everyone. There are details description of torture, and this was the horrifying reality for Kelly. Kelly M. Bates was born on May 18, 1978, in Addisley, England, United Kingdom. A family was always very close and described Kelly as confident, independent, mature for her age. Kelly often babysat for families in the area. While one particular babysitting job, she met James Peterson Smith. James was 45 and smitten with 14-year-old Kelly. She decided to keep many aspects of their relationship a secret, thinking her parents wouldn't understand. When she told them about James, they assumed it was a boy, probably from school, around the same age as her. They managed to keep their relationship a secret from her parents for two years. Kelly and James got along great. It was her first boyfriend and it wasn't long before she began to look for ways to spend more time with him. After being with him for a year, she began staying with him over the weekends, Friday to Sunday. He would call and check on her constantly, executing his control over her. This interest in her made Kelly feel that he truly loved her. He really cared to check on her more than even her family. By the age of 16, she's spending more time with him at his home, not even bothering to call her parents. After some time, Kelly brought James home to meet her parents. When her father saw him and saw that he was much older than he expected, he asked his daughter, He's a bit older than you, Kelly. Are you sure that's where you went? I would have been with older people anyway, Kelly answered. She had grown up around older people and even played hockey with girls in college. She was too mature for her own age. She told her parents it was only 32. As a mother caught sight of James, coming down the stairs, she had a different reaction. As soon as I saw Smith, the hairs on the back of my neck went up. I tried everything I could to get Kelly away from him. She began asking around, trying to find out if anyone knew James Smith, 32 years old. But no one had ever heard of him. It was like it didn't even exist. Over the next few months, Kelly continued to see James off and on. It was charming and Kelly felt good about the attention he gave her. Knowing Kelly had lied to her parents, not once, but multiple times, he used that to drive a deeper wedge between her and her family. She no longer felt like she could reach out to them, let them know what was happening with her relationship when she had done so much to make them happy with it. When she returned home, they almost didn't recognize her. She wasn't clean, her hair was dirty, greasy, and unkept. Her clothes were dirty, her posture eroded, her head was always down, chin to the chest. A mother put her foot down and told her, 
If you don't like the rules we're setting, you've got to let us know where you are. Let us know you're all right. The next time you do it, you can go. Kelly chose to leave. A few days later, she returned home to park her things. When her mom walked in, she found that one side of her face was black, one solid bruise. Her parents were unaware of the 32-year age difference when Bates moved in with Smith in November 1995, not long after finishing high school. Her parents could have forbidden her from seeing James. However, they took some pride in the independence and confidence she exuded and opted to allow the relationship for now. Even after James admitted to them that he was actually 48, one year older than Kelly's dad. Even though she was only 17 at the time, she could legally decide to leave with Smith in the eyes of the law. Warning signs arose as Bates' relationship with Smith progressed. Her parents noted how the 16-year-old repeatedly came home with bite marks, which was dismissed. Reportedly, Bates once claimed a gang of girls attacked her after school to explain a black eye. She also maintained a bite marks happened on accident. Kelly claimed she had been jumped by some girls. She never revealed any of the abuse to her mother or father. Margaret Bates contacted local police before her daughter's death and described her concerns. The Domestic Violence Department encouraged her to give Bates information and leaflets about how to identify abuse and leave the situation. But Margaret never got the chance to drop them off. Police didn't pursue Smith at the time because they claimed he had no prior criminal record and no one had previously reported him for domestic abuse. By March 1996, Bates' parents, Margaret and Tommy Bates, recalled having talked to their daughter on the phone, but they never saw her once she moved out. They noted how Bates quit a job that past December and didn't come around for family events. Her mother begs her to leave James, but Kelly refuses. She stops seeing her mother, telling her she got a job and had opportunity for overtime. Knowing Kelly enjoyed working, her mother believed her and they only spoke on the phone from that point. By now, James has complete control over her. She no longer speaks to her family. She sends cards, but she didn't sign them. They are not addressed in her writing. A brother tries to see her at a home she now shares with James, but James tells him she's not home. When a concerned neighbor asked how she was, he allowed her to be briefly seen through an upstairs window. She no longer went out. Concerned, they planned to confront Bates at Smith residence, but decided not to once another family member reported she was okay. In the month prior to her death, Bates' family lost all contact with her. A month prior to Bates' death, Smith subjected her to horrific torture over a period of weeks, pruning shears, forks, several pairs of scissors and a spade to systematically harm the teen. It also burned Bates all over her body using hot irons and scarling water. Kelly was held prisoner for weeks where James took his time torturing her with various types of, of household items. And when her hair was not tied to a radiator, he tied it to a chair or wrapped a legator around her neck. He broke her arm and then crushed both of her kneecaps, fully reliant on him. 
William Nolo, the pathologist who examined a body, said, In my career, I have examined almost 600 victims of homicide, but I have never come across injuries so extensive. He was also able to determine that Kelly's eyes had been removed. Not less than five days and not more than three weeks before her death. She had been starved, losing at least 44 pounds, and had not given any water for several days before her death. Her documented injuries are as follows. A fractured arm, multiple stab wounds caused by knives, forks, and scissors, stab wounds inside her mouth, crushed injuries to both hands, mutilation of her ears, nose, eyebrows, mouth, lips, and genitalia. Wounds caused by a spade and pruny shears. Both eyes gushed out. Later stab wounds to the empty eye sockets. Partial scalping. When authorities found Bates' body, it showed 150 different injuries. Enough to cause anguish and torment to the point of mental breakdown and collapse. According to the prosecution, Dr. William Lawler, the pathologist who conducted the autopsy stated she suffered the worst injuries he had ever seen on a mother victim. An expert in his field who previously conducted over 600 autopsies says that extent of Bates' injury, as well as the age of some of them, left him astounded. Smith went to a police station and claimed Bates accidentally drowned in his bathtub. On April 16, 1996, Smith went to the local police station and told them his girlfriend accidentally drowned in his bathtub after knocking Bates unconscious with the shower nozzle. Smith reportedly then forced her head under the water. He claimed he thought she was playing dead as she had done so in the past. When the authorities arrived, they found Bates' blood smeared on the floor and walls of every room in the house. Despite the overwhelming evidence of torture, Smith maintained a death happened by accident and that injuries were self-inflicted. Smith had previously been married for 10 years to an unnamed woman, a relationship that ended in 1980 after years of abuse. Reportedly, his partner divorced him to get away from his abuse. However, Smith had no previous criminal record or documented evidence of his violence against women. At the trial of mother of Bates, two women came forward to testify against Smith as an abuser. Bates was not the first teenage girl Smith illegally pursued a relationship with. He previously dated two other young women, including 15-year-old Wendy Mottershed, who claimed Smith held her head in a kitchen sink filled with water in an attempt to drown her. Mottershed explains the control Smith had over her. It frightened me, but you get to the point where you're too frightened to do anything or say anything. You just took it. Before Mothershed, Smith preyed on Tina Weston, who was only 20 years when they began their relationship. Weston claimed while she was pregnant, reportedly with Smith's baby, Smith treated her like a human punching bag. Weston recalls the abuse. Once I was having a bath and he got me by the throat and tried to push me under the water. Once Smith's mother triad ended, it took the jurors less than an hour to come back with a guilty verdict. After viewing the disturbing images from Bates' autopsy and hearing detailed description of the torture Smith committed, the juries reportedly were traumatized. Manchester Crown Court offered 
professional counseling services to the juries who all accepted. After finding out Smith had murdered her daughter, Margaret Bates spoke out about Smith. She knew that her daughter had been involved with the man, but Bates lied to her about several facts, including Smith's age and real first name. She told her mother and father Smith's first name was James, not Jim, and that it was 32. Smith was approximately 48 at the time. As Bates came around with more bruises and injuries, a family grew more concerned. A Mother's Day card Margaret received in Smith's handwriting only validated her fears. Because Bates was over the United Kingdom's age of consent, Child Protective Services could not respond to Margaret's concerns. This has been a terrible case. The jury says, a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women. And I intend so far as it is in my power that you will abuse no more. If you or someone you know is experiencing violence at home, please seek help. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline or go to their website where you can find information, resources, and even chat with an advocate. The number you can call is 1-800-799-7233 and the website is www.thehotline.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Crime Archives. Tune in next week for another story. My name is Abby. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.